0: The following messages were presented during the Friends of Israel 2008 Prophecy Conferences. It should be noted that a few of our speakers presented their messages with the aid of PowerPoint. Take your Bible and turn to Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1. title of this message tonight is God's Love for Israel. We've been hearing about replacement theology and how there are those who say, well, in a sense, God's through with the nation of Israel. We've been hearing a little bit about anti-Semitism as well, that there's hatred for Jewish people. Well, I want to tell you the other side of the story or really the rest of the story that's positive, and that's God's love for the nation of Israel. We don't often hear a whole lot about God's love for Israel. We hear a lot about the judgments upon Israel. But tonight, I just want to kind of let you soak in the thought and take down the notes concerning how much God does really love Israel. Now, in 1916, F.M. Lehman published a hymn called The Love of God. The third stanza goes something like this, and I know many of you know it because you've sung it. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies a parchment made? Were every stock on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. Now you could take and you could put in this uh, third stanza to write the love of God for Israel. So much stated in God's word concerning his love for Israel. And right here in Malachi chapter 1 and verse 2, it very clearly states, I have loved you, saith the Lord. This word, I have loved you, is really in the perfect tense in the Hebrew, and it means there's no time on it. In the past, God loved Israel. In the present, God loves Israel. And in the future, God is still going to love Israel on the face of the earth. He has a love for Israel. But yet, Israel has questioned God's love and they say right here in this verse, Yet ye say, in what way hast thou loved me? You have to remember that uh, Israel had gone through the Babylonian captivity. Jerusalem had been destroyed. They had been brought back to the land. And there probably was some bitterness. And they say, well, if God loved us, why did he allow this to happen to us? But Israel must remember that God... Uh, had given her many promises, much protection through her history, and many privileges. And God did bless Israel in bringing her back to the land. She had a return to the land. She had a revival under Nehemiah and Ezra. She was able to rebuild her temple. And uh, she was reinstituted in the land. And so really Israel didn't have a right to say, how hast thou loved me? Well, God loves Israel, and there are five concepts that I want to share with you tonight, major concepts concerning his love for Israel. And Rennie touched on this in his message somewhat. I want you to see God's unconditional commitment unto Israel. And turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 7, and uh, I want you to notice first of all here, that Israel was selected in verse 6. They were chosen, or they were elect people. And God chose Abraham, raised him up out of Ur the Chaldees, set him onto a land that he would show him, and made a covenant with him where he promised him a land, a seed, and a blessing. And this was confirmed through Isaac and through Jacob. Not only were they selected, but they were also set apart. In verse 6, notice, they were a holy people under the Lord, or were to be a holy people, a set-apart people under the Lord. They were to be a special people as well, or a treasure for his possession. And this was brought out earlier in the day. Well, why did God choose Israel? Did God choose Israel because she was a mighty group of people because of her size? No, in fact, in verse 7 here, God says, you're the fewest of all people. Well, did uh, God uh, choose Israel because she was superior to other people, that there was uh, some type of goodness or beauty in Israel, something to be Desire in no way. These are not the reasons why God chose Israel. In verse 8, we're given two reasons why God chose Israel. He says, but because the Lord loved you. It was simply because God loved them, his sovereign love for this nation. But you say, please explain, please show me. I believe it's a mystery why God really loved Israel and bestowed all of these blessings upon her. And the second reason is really found here. He had sworn an oath unto their fathers, verse 8, because he would keep the oath sworn to their fathers. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob again. So God has shown an unconditional commitment of love unto the nation of Israel. Let me ask you the question, do you know why God chose you? You say, well, I'm I'm not chosen like Israel. Well, you're part of the elect. Yes, you are. If you're born again and you've put faith in the Lord Jesus, you sure are. You have been chosen or elected from the foundation of the world before the world ever was. Why did God choose you and you and you and me? Well, you know, I can't tell you the reason why. Well, I can't tell you the reason why God in his sovereign elective grace reached down, chose Israel or Abram, raised him up out of Ur, the counties and sent him forth and had a whole plan and program Planned out for him. The best we can do in answering that question is found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, where it says, God chooses according to the good pleasure of his own will. And then in verse 7, he chooses according to the richness of his grace. Pure sovereign grace in the will of God. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God reached down, chose me, set my feet on the solid rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that I have salvation and the assurance of that salvation according to his word. Can you imagine out of the almost six and a half billion people upon the face of the earth that God chose us? Can you imagine that? Just a remnant of people compared to all the peoples throughout the world. Such privilege, such promises are ours, such blessings are ours. Well, the same is true concerning Israel. The second point that I want you to see tonight is the unique comparison found in the Word of God concerning God's love for Israel. There are many comparisons here. The first one is the husband-wife relationship. We have unfaithful Israel being set forth in the context of a marriage between uh, Hosea and Gomer. And in the context, uh, I do not believe that uh, Gomer was a prostitute when Hosea married her. I think she became one later after the fact. But she became a prostitute and she had three children. I don't think in prostitution. Now, I know there are questions on this. But I think that she had three children. Uh, by Hosea and Jezreel, which means scattered. And then Loruma, which means not pity. And Ami, which means not my people. So the name of their children would show that uh, God, attitude, Concerning unfaithful Israel. Well, we know that Gomer went off and she would do her own thing. And uh, Hosea's heart would be shattered on the the way that his wife had gone. She went out into harlotry and she really became destitute and impoverished uh, physically and mentally and socially when she was totally depleted by her lovers, she was taken to the public square where there was the slave market, put on the auction block, and she would be auctioned off to the highest bidder. Well, Hosea happened to be there, and he bought, uh, uh, he bought Gomer out of the marketplace of slavery. He took her home, and he really wanted to restore her, and he brought her back to, to health. He brought her back to uh, her, a relationship with himself. He forgave her. He provided for her. He really treated her as his virgin. And this is a whole picture of God's love for Israel. Gomer truly loved, uh, Hosea truly loved Gomer But God loved Israel much more. And the book of Hosea portrays this and spells this all out in unfaithful Israel. But God would not let her go. And he would eventually bring her back to commitment. So the husband-wife comparison. There's the father-son comparison too, which is found in Hosea chapter 11, and verse number 1. We have Hosea here saying that uh, he would bring uh, Israel as a child back from Egypt. The verse reads, "When when Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Now, I think the ultimate fulfillment of this is in the Lord Jesus Christ, but we know that uh, um, God treated Israel in a father-son relationship. He delivered her from Egypt, and Renny was touching on this as well earlier today. God adopted her, he nourished her, he instructed her, and he protected Israel But Israel, as we know, was an ungrateful son, and um, being an ungrateful son, she insulted God by going off into immorality and idolatry and indifference. There's a third comparison here where we have a father-daughter relationship, and this is found over in Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16 is quite a chapter in spelling out uh, Israel's relationship to God from her inception. It's really talking about Jerusalem here, but I feel it is speaking about the Jewish people in Jerusalem as well. In the first four verses of Ezekiel chapter 16 you have the peril that's mentioned here concerning Israel the day that she was born. The picture here is that she had an illegitimate birth. She was an offspring of a, an idolatrous relationship. And after she was born, the umbilical cord was not even cut, but she was taken. She was cast out into an open field Being in an open field, she was left there to uh, simply die from the elements or die from uh, being uh, killed by a wild beast. In this situation, she was wallowing in her own blood, as the picture portrays it. Not a very beautiful picture. She had not been washed. She had not been salted. She had not been dressed, but just left there to die. But uh, it seems like a man comes by and I believe the picture here is God and he pities the child in verses 6 through 14. In verse 6, the verse reads, and when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou was in thy blood, live! And so he's going to She's going to survive, and God is going to bring her back to to real life. And then it's mentioned again, And I said unto thee, When thou was in thy blood, live. And so she is rescued, and she is cleansed, and she is clothed, and she's taken home, and she is raised up. She's lavished with all kinds of beautiful things in verses 8 through verse 14. Fine apparel, gold, a crown, housing, food. And in verse 8, the Lord really speaks of his covenant relationship to her. Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love, and I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swore unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou became mine. What a beautiful picture of Israel being rescued from death taken into covenant relationship with the Father, and as she grows into beautiful womanhood, she is lauded. And in verse 14 it says, her beauty was proclaimed by the nations surrounding her. This could have been probably during the time of Solomon's day when Israel was at the height of her Glory and beauty and power and wisdom and wealth. But then Israel plays the part of a prostitute. And in verses 15 through 26 and verses 28 through 34, this is all spelled out. In verse number 15, the prophet says, but thou didst trust in thy own beauty and played the harlot because of thy renown. And she went out and she fornicated herself with the surrounding nations. And those who she fornicated with are mentioned. Verse number 26, Egypt. Verse number 28, Assyria. And verse number 29, Babylon. Not a pretty picture of what Israel became. But it's mentioned here in verse 27 what her punishment would be. Behold, therefore, I have stretched out my hand over thee and have diminished thy ordinance, thy food, and delivered thee into the will of them that hate thee, the daughters of the Philistines, who are ashamed of thy lewd way. Even the Philistines became uh, ashamed of how uh, Israel had become. And so Israel was diminished. She would uh, be destroyed by her lovers. And again, verse 27, the Assyrians would destroy her. The Babylonians would destroy her. And in verse 29, it speaks of the Romans would destroy her as well. And she would be despised. In verse 57, it mentions that she would be despised. But God does not give up on Israel. In this chapter, he paints a portrait of Israel's history. Then, beginning with uh, uh, verses 60 through 63, we see her pardon. Again, verse 60. Nevertheless, I will remember my covenant with thee in the days of thy youth, and I will establish unto thee my, you notice here, everlasting covenant. And haven't we heard that already during the conference? God would make and keep, rather, his everlasting covenant with the household of Israel. And in verse uh, 62, it's reaffirmed again. And I will establish my covenant with thee, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. And all the way through Ezekiel, we hear words like this, that they will be brought back, and one day they will recognize and be illuminated again that uh, they know the Lord. And so... uh, God will restore his relationship to Israel. But here again, this is a picture of a father-daughter relationship when talking about Israel. Well, there's another comparison of God's love for Israel, and that's a mother-child relationship of Israel. And this is found over in Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah chapter 49, in verses 14 through 16. And this is a beautiful picture of God's love for the nation of Israel. Verse 14 says, But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. You see, you hear words like this throughout uh, Ezekiel many times. That the Lord has forgotten her forsaken her but such is not the case at all look at verse 15 can a woman forget her nursing child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb yea they may forget yet will I not forget thee could anything be so moving Israel was cast out, you know, in a field to die. We saw in Ezekiel chapter 16. But even though a mother might do that to her child, God says, I would never do that to you. I would never cast you out. She might forget and not have compassion, but I will have deep compassion upon you. And we see God's compassion for Israel all throughout the word of God. Verse number 16, and this is a wonderful verse as well. Behold, I have engraven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continuously before me. God is saying, if you were to look at my hands, Israel is engraved on the palm of my hands. We might say tattooed today, that's not a good word, but it's the same concept, engraved or tattooed. You look at the palm of your hands all the time, you cannot, you cannot miss the palms of your hands. God loves Israel, so much so she's on her heart, treats her like a mother would a nursing child, and has is engravened Israel upon the palms of her hands. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 12, the word says that God cares for Israel. His eye is always on it throughout the year. And that's been touched on during this conference as well. His eye is always on the nation of Israel. His love is deep. His concern is there. And Rennie so beautifully portrayed today how Israel's really a land bridge between three continents Europe, Asia, Africa all meet at Israel. And Israel was placed there by God because of his will and her place in history. Now, Ezekiel chapter 5, verse 5 says that Israel and Jerusalem are in the center of. Of the nations. Now I know you think the United States is, but that's just not the case. It's Israel in the center of the nations. The rabbis have a statement that goes something like this Israel is in the center of the nations, Jerusalem is in the center of uh, Israel, uh, the Temple Mount is in the center of uh, Jerusalem. The Holy of Holies is in the center of the temple where God will again someday place his glory. And so Israel sees their situation and how they've been placed. And one day they are going to recognize this fully and fully recognize God's love. So his eye is always on the nation. Israel is also the apple of God's eye. This is found, first of all, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 10, where it says that Israel is the apple of God's eye. It's also mentioned in Psalm chapter 17, verse 8, where he says he keeps her as the apple of her eye. That means keeps watch care over the nation of Israel. And then in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8, we see Israel is uh, the apple of God's eye. Those who touch Israel touch the apple of my eye. Now, uh, don't do it now, but if you were to get very close to a loved one and you were to look right into the their eye, you would see a little image of yourself reflected back out of the pupil of their eye. The eye is uh, very, very sensitive. It is very sensitive to light. It's very sensitive to touch. And uh, it waters easy. If you get just a speck in your eye, it tries to reject that or let you know and your eyes start to water. Uh, Israel is uh, in the center of God's eye. His eye, as I said earlier, is always on this nation. She is the apple of his eye. Well, the third thing that I want you to see tonight is the unfailing care of God for Israel. And if you will turn in your Bible to Isaiah 63, verse 9, just forward a few pages There's a beautiful verse here that speaks of God's love for the nation of Israel. Verse 9 reads, In all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them in his love, and in his pity he redeemed them, and he bore them and carried them all the days of old. Now there's some, this verse is just full. You could preach a message just on this one verse in the Word of God. The angel of the Lord. Who is the angel of the Lord? Well, none other than, I believe, the Lord Jesus Christ. The angel of his presence saved or delivered them. And I believe that the Lord, throughout all their wanderings through the wilderness, and this is told to us in Corinthians, that the, um, the Lord went with and before Israel and protected and provided for her. In verse 9, it says, Affliction and all their affliction, it means distress, in their anguish, in their privation, he was afflicted also. How can God be afflicted? Well, I believe God felt the anguish and felt the hurt and felt the heartbreak of his people as they went through their trying times. He was afflicted by their affliction. And his affection, verse 9, in his love and pity, he redeemed them. And it means redeemed them out of their slavery in Egypt. It was because of his love that he brought, him, brought them out and because of his plan and the program that he had for Israel. And, uh, you know, when they are attacked, it says in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17, no weapon formed against thee shall prosper or be successful. Even though Israel down through history has suffered much and been destroyed, She is back in her land, and ultimately no weapon will ever, ever destroy her. Israel is going to be on the face of the earth as long as the earth exists because if you remove the sun, moon, and star from its orbit, there can be no earth, and there would be no Israel. And Israel is going to survive. We have read the whole story. You know, it's very interesting Israel can read her history past, Israel can read her history present, and Israel can read her history promised as well. She can read the whole story in the book, and we know how it ends. Israel's going to survive. So no weapon formed against Israel will be successful or prosper. And when it comes to his unfailing care for the nation of Israel... We can go to the New Testament as well, and we can look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, where it says, when the Lord looked on uh, the multitudes, and may I remind you, the multitudes here are Israel, Uh, Matthew chapter 9, 36 through 38 are used many times during a missionary conference to speak as the Lord looking over, you know, the earth and having compassion Well, he does, but the context here is that he is looking at the nation of Israel. He was looking at Israel, and his heart went out in compassion and love to her. And the word compassion is a moving word that speaks of one who uh, might be down and succumbing to death, and your heart just goes out in compassion for this one. This is the kind of compassion that God had for Israel. He saw Israel, he saw them as faint. He saw them as downtrodden and weary. He saw them as scattered abroad. And the picture here is running from a wild dog or uh, an enemy. And like a little lamb can run no further and throws itself down uh, breathing very hard, prostrate on the ground, and the wild animals standing over it, ready to grab its neck and destroy it. The Lord saw his people in the first century as that, and he had compassion and love, but most of all, he saw them as sheep having no shepherd, and his love went out to the household of Israel. And so he cares for Israel. He's preserved Israel. And there's a very interesting verse over in Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse number 11. And uh, this verse says, For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee. Though I make a full end of all nations to which I have scattered thee, yet will I not make a full end of thee, but I will correct thee in measure, and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. God says here, though he forgets other nations and though they go down in defeat, God will never forget the household of Israel. His love and compassion will be upon this nation forever. And then we see his unending compassion in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse number 3. This is a wonderful verse explaining how God has an ongoing love and covenant relationship with Israel. And uh, you've heard this verse many times, but it goes like this. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying... "'Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. "'Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn thee.'" God says His love for Israel is eternal. It's everlasting, beyond, really, obligation. And He never ceases to love Israel. The expression here, loving kindness, I have drawn thee, is the Hebrew word chesed. And hesed speaks of God's covenant, loyalty, and faithfulness to the nation where he shows her mercy and kindness and love throughout her goings forth. You know, the Lord loved Israel so much, and the last week of his ministry just before his arrest, uh, betrayal, arrest, and crucifixion. It says of him in uh, Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, it says that he would have taken Israel and gather her under his wing as a mother hen would gather her chicks under her wing, but ye would not. He also says in Luke chapter 19 verse 41 that when he came near to Jerusalem, could be standing on the Mount of Olives looking down over the city, he wept for her knowing that she had missed her day of opportunity, that he the Messiah had been rejected by her and that she would soon suffer destruction. Um, but his heart wept over the blindness and the rejection. And this was not a tear just running down the side of his cheek. He sobbed over the, the rejection that Israel had shown to him, knowing that he had missed, they had missed their day of opportunity. And so uh, he has unending compassion for the nation. Well, the final thing that I want you to see concerning God's love for Israel is the ultimate love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only for Israel, but for us as well. Now, I mentioned Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, which uh, says God's love is unconditional. He uh, has uh, chosen us from the foundation of the world. He had a plan for Israel as well before the foundation of the world. Uh, We mentioned the husband-wife relationship uh, with Israel. We who are in the body of Christ, what are we? We are the bride of Christ, are we not? And so he loves us like he does Israel. And uh, his love is unfailing for us as well. 1 John chapter 4 verse 10, herein is love that he loves us. We didn't love him first, he loved us and he gave his life for us. And his love and compassion for both Israel and for us who are in the body of Christ is something that is unfathomable, and nothing is going to be able to separate us from the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. Well, God's love for Israel is unfailing, and I hope we take down some of these scripture verses and Read them in depth and study them. And let the Lord just sweep over your heart with a love for Israel as well. So that when you look on a Jewish friend or a Jewish neighbor or somebody you work with who is Jewish, your heart will go out to them in love as God's heart goes out to them in love.